A new dawn for people experiencing homelessness in Austin as a supportive housing complex officially opens its doors. How many people it's helping get off the streets? And look at this. Storms expected at times this weekend. Your first warning forecast is coming up. And attempting to handle the crisis in Gaza as hundreds of thousands of Palestinians seek shelter there. Now Secretary of State Antony Blinken places a new round of calls on Israel to protect those civilians. Well, over 100 new supportive housing units are now available in Austin for those who are experiencing homelessness or at risk of it. The Austin Housing Finance Corporation's first supportive housing community officially opened the doors this morning. The Espero Rutland development in North Austin has 171 furnished studio apartments. And we got to take a peek inside. It comes with a bed, couch, a sitting area. There are decorations on the walls, a bathroom, a shower, even a kitchen, as you saw with an electric stove and refrigerator. Now we spoke to one woman who now has housing thanks to the new property and she talked about what this means for her and her child's future. All the things that I've been through right now, it's like, it's like that bright light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, that shining light at the end of the tunnel and, and I'm loving it, you know. Uh, oh, my mind can be at peace. Oh boy, I can strategize, you know, and make goals again and all that kind of stuff, you know, that fell on the backside. And to know there's actually people that care or a company that cares, it's beautiful. Caritas of Austin, which works to prevent and end homelessness, will also provide support in a range of services, including employment help and mental and physical health services. The company's president and CEO says the city should continue to work on more projects like this to get more Austinites off the streets and into homes. Our city really needs to galvanize around these kinds of projects and make sure that they that they're easier to do, that we can do them faster, and that we just um, have our eye on exactly uh, how much housing we need to build for this population and get it done. The property is already accepting applications and started welcoming residents at the beginning of this year. And going in depth, the difference between supportive housing and low-income housing comes down to the types of resources that are provided. Supportive housing provides things like mental health and substance use services, also job hunting. An example would be the Other Ones Foundation's Esperanza community. Meanwhile, low-income housing are homes for people who fall into a specific income range. Public or private owners of those units receive government subsidies to make those units more affordable. A favorite spot for UT students for decades appears to be in the clear, at least for now. Dirty Martin's Place is one of several properties no longer at risk of being displaced by Project Connect's upcoming light rail system. Now, Austin Transit Partnership says this comes after Project Connect leaders re-evaluated the locations of future stations and traffic flow in the area, and they found a design solution that wouldn't impact Dirty Martin's, as well as several other businesses along Guadalupe. We have looked at ways to really focus the use of our dollars on the station areas and the urban design and, and maximizing the user experience of the light rail system and minimizing the use of those dollars toward real estate acquisition and, and really buying land or buildings.
and the owner of Dirty Martins told us he is cautiously thrilled about this announcement, but added he wants to see something in writing showing that the property is officially here to stay. Well, Travis County leaders opened up on the plan for a mental health diversion center. The pilot would serve as an alternative to people, to jail, I should say, for people who commit nonviolent crimes and suffer from mental illness. At a breakfast this morning with downtown Austin leaders, county officials said the goal is to prevent people from ending up in the prison pipeline by expanding and beefing up mental health resources available in Austin. A diversion center has the potential of providing something a jail cell can't, and that's medical treatment in a proper setting. People who can, who has the potential because people can get focused care in a specialized environment. Travis County Judge Andy Brown says the center could take five to seven years to get up and running. And turning now to the weather now with David, we're seeing some clouds move in, but really the issue is the wind today. It's been a bad hair day, hasn't it? <laughs> all, across, <laughs> all across Central Texas. This is bringing in some warm air too. Check it out up in Round Rock. See the trees moving around under cloudy skies. Round Rock camera reading 67 with the trees moving on the Whittlesea Landscape Supply weather cam. We do have plenty of clouds, but no rain expected this evening. But look at this. Winds have actually increased at the 5 p.m. hour, now gusting close to 30 miles an hour in Austin. 25 mile per hour gusts right now in San Marcos, a little stronger even in Flatonia. Coming up in your forecast, we'll talk about the impact this is having on allergens outside this evening. Very warm temperatures, which are just getting started, but also some storms that could interrupt your weekend activities. All right, David, thank you very much. Search and rescue crews today found a military helicopter that went missing last night in a remote area east of San Diego, California. Five Marines were on board. They were headed from Creech Air Force Base in Nevada to Myanmar. The last ping from the aircraft was received around 11.30 last night, indicating its last known location was in a rugged area. Emergency crews were not able to find the chopper at night, but they did find it this morning. No word yet on the condition of the helicopter or the Marines on board. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met again today with Israeli and Palestinian leaders working towards a deal to try to bring home hostages. And as NBC's Alice Barr reports, it comes as Congress debates sending more military aid to Israel and Ukraine. A striking split screen today between challenging negotiations in the Middle East and on Capitol Hill. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meeting with Israeli and Palestinian leaders. He's pushing for a breakthrough in talks over a ceasefire in Gaza and the release of the remaining Hamas-held hostages. While there are some clear non-starters in Hamas's response, uh, we do think it creates space for agreement to be reached. Hamas released a counter-proposal for a 135-day pause in the fighting over three phases. That includes in the first phase exchanging hostages for 1,500 Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails, many of them convicted of serious crimes. Hamas ultimately wants Israeli troops to fully withdraw from Gaza. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu forcefully rejecting that idea. Only by destroying Hamas will we have security security for the state of Israel. At the same time, lawmakers on Capitol Hill are struggling to reach agreement on new military aid for Israel and for Ukraine. A test vote failing today in the Senate after Republicans rebelled against the bill's border security provisions. The Senate's top Democrat now advancing an alternative that removes border policy. For all those Republicans who said, well, who first said, well, we want it with border and now say we want it without border. They got both options. 
Gridlock in Washington and the Middle East posing serious threats to national and global security. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. And adding to the complexities in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia now says it will not engage in diplomatic relations with Israel until the war in Gaza ends and there is recognition of an independent Palestinian state. GOP presidential hopeful Nikki Haley is planning a trip to Texas next week with stops planned in Dallas, Houston and San Antonio. That's according to the Dallas Morning News. Now, this comes after a tough loss for her in Nevada yesterday. Voters there picked the option none of these candidates over Haley in the primary. Now, former President Trump was not on the ballot as the Nevada GOP recognizes the results of a caucus, not the primary. In yesterday's state primary, Nevada allowed voters to back a specific candidate or pick none. This makes Haley's third consecutive loss in an early state contest. Over on the Democratic side, though, in Nevada, President Biden easily won the Democratic primary. A new hope on its way to one central Texas city that's prone to issues with their water supply. The tight conditions they'll deal with as they get a new system. How a popular Texas History Museum in downtown Austin is looking to welcome more people to its exhibits with its new and inclusive makeover, Years in the Making. And ancient secrets unveiled after gathering dust for thousands of years. How student researchers use technology to unlock a long lost past. Well, the EPA has finalized stronger air quality standards, which crack down on the amount of fine particle pollution released into the air. Folks tend to know it as soot. Now, according to the EPA, acceptable soot levels will be cut by about 25%, which they say will save lives, preventing up to 4,500 premature deaths and 290,000 lost work days, yielding up to $46 billion in net health benefits in 2032. That is the earliest year that states would need to meet the revised standards. The Bullock Museum announced it has reached really a new milestone in making its exhibits more inclusive. They're now bilingual. Three floors of the Texas History Galleries are now fully bilingual with information presented in both English and in Spanish. Uh, this is something the museum has been working toward since late 2018 when the renovated first floor gallery opened. Both English and Spanish speaking visitors will now be able to read translated exhibit labels and fully take in interactive experiences, videos and more. The Bullock Museum guide has also been translated into Spanish and all special exhibitions are also presented in both languages. If you would like to check out the revamped galleries, the Bullock Museum is open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Well, no measurable rain across the area today as rainfall remains pretty typical so far this month. But look how much wetter than normal we are for the year, thanks to that fifth wettest January on record. Coming up, we are timing out weekend storms and some much warmer than normal weather. Water conservation efforts will tighten in Leander over the next few weeks to prepare for the replacement of a major underwater pipeline that pulls in water from Lake Travis. KXN's Mercedes Hernandez spoke with the city and water leaders who say it will hopefully be a more permanent solution to the area's frequent water woes. Outdoor taps like this will stay turned off for several weeks in Leander starting Monday. Phase four goes that one step further um, and it, it reduces basically to no outdoor watering and essential use only. Gina Ellison is the public works director for the city of Leander. She says the city is entering phase four restrictions to get ready for the Brushy Creek Regional Utility Authority to replace this pipe. It's broken twice um, and then we had one uh, leak that was repaired. So when that starts, the BCRUA's water treatment plant that gives Leander most of its water will be shut off. 
and all its water will be treated through its Sandy Creek plant. When BCRUA goes offline, uh, we lose 15 million gallons in treatment capacity. Sam Roberts is the general manager of the BCRUA. He says construction will start on February 28th and wrap up in early April, but is just the next step in a project that's been underway for months. We are reaching the point where the contractor needs for the pipeline to be shut down so that he can finish installing all the new portions. He says this fix aims to replace all the vulnerable parts of the pipeline and ensure customers can get their water. The goal of the whole project is to, to restore the integrity of the pipeline. In Leander, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. And those phase four restrictions go into effect on Monday. That means no outdoor watering will be permitted until construction on that pipeline is complete. And going in depth, that new system will take in water from deeper in Lake Travis, making it less likely to be disrupted by floods or droughts. Let's go ahead and bring in David, our go-to when it comes to the lake levels. David, how are they looking right now? Well, Daniel, as you know, the lakes are very low, and even after lots of recent rainfall, they really just have not been helped out. A live look from several hundred feet above the lake from our Oasis restaurant cam looks pretty, but notice sometimes islands, as they're called, are totally exposed, actually forming a peninsula that you can walk down from Mansfield Dam Park. The level of Lake Travis, it's only 39% full, and it's dropped another inch just in the past 24 hours. Notice over the past two years, after the lake level was fairly healthy, about 665 feet elevation two winters ago, the lakes have just steadily been declining due to the dry La Nina pattern we've been in. They decline a little faster in the summer and hold a little more steady during the winter time. You can see that shown here. If you'd like to learn more about current water restrictions affecting your area, our digital data reporter Christopher Adams has a map for you to explore, as well as some other helpful tips. Those are on KXAN.com. Out there right now on the satellite and radar, we've got a little suggestion of some rain west of the hill country. Not really expecting much of this to impact our area this evening. Just clouds racing across the area. Gray skies are kind of the theme all the way through the rest of the week. A few little glimpses of blue sky late each day, though, and you can see kind of a pretty sky on the Austonian weather cam. It's warm and windy, though, 68. The winds have kicked up allergies. Cedar, mold, and elm are all up in the past day. Nothing is high or very high, but this is high enough, I'd say, to cause some itchy eyes and some sneezing out there this evening. Why is it so windy? Well, this is actually going to influence our weather over the next few days, aside from the wind as well. We've got a big trough in the jet stream to the west and a big ridge to the east. This is what's responsible for all that California flooding you've heard about the past few days. A piece of that storm is currently racing northward, so the south winds here are feeding into that intense low pressure. This one is obviously not bringing us rain. It's on its way out, but a stronger storm is going to make a more direct approach to Texas this weekend, and that's when rain and thunderstorms do enter the picture. In the meantime, though, you can see that temperature difference as well from west to east. South winds are blowing this warmth all the way up to the Great Lakes. Minneapolis, Chicago, about 25 to 30 degrees warmer than normal. Some areas record warm over the next several days. Back here at home, the winds do die down, but the warm weather is just beginning. Tomorrow morning, light winds, but low temperatures near 60. That's close to our average high this time of the year. High temperatures rise into the 70s under mainly gray skies. On Friday, look at the low temperatures, even 5, 6 degrees warmer. Some of us not dipping below 65, and high temperatures on Friday in some areas getting close to 80 degrees. This is happening, mind you, with not a lot of sunshine. Clouds, a few spits of drizzle over the next couple of days. 
I'm fast forwarding you though to Friday night. As cloudy skies continue, I want to focus on the stormy weekend at times. The first piece of that next storm way out over the west coast sends an impulse of energy our way. Hill country, we've got rain and even thunderstorms, though not expected to be severe at this time, beginning before dawn Saturday. Saturday morning when you're getting going, some of those storms ongoing in the hill country moving into Austin. And even though it won't rain all weekend, this computer model, which can only see until noon Saturday, still suggesting more of these periods of on and off rain. And that's what I expect late Saturday into Sunday as well. So high temperatures this weekend comfortable in the upper 60s, but the main thing that will we will have to plan around the likelihood of thunderstorms at times. It won't rain all day either day, I can promise you that, but do keep an eye on the forecast, keep an eye to the sky as well. If thunder roars, go indoors to stay safe. Rainfall this weekend through Sunday night, maybe an inch or two in the hill country where we do need it most in the Austin area eastward, lower amounts currently expected about a half inch. So tonight's forecast, warm, 58 degrees with a little drizzle developing by morning. Not much wind left tomorrow, but it will be a little damp early. Morning drizzle breaks into some afternoon sun. With that said, clouds kind of the big picture tomorrow and Friday with a few spits of drizzle possible. 77 on Friday in Austin in February. This weekend, high likelihoods of rain at times. Then colder, windy weather blows in with sunshine early next week. Those 70s really are nice, David. Thanks so much. Coming up, unlocking the past using modern technology, the game-changing achievement that could lead to more discoveries about humanity's long-lost past. Special guest, Bill O'Reilly on Cuomo. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill O'Reilly. TV's liveliest, most honest debate. Wait, wait, Cuomo, you're, you talk the whole time. Right. Tonight at 8, 7 Central. News Nation has an opportunity. Only on News Nation. And then, Dan tells you why he thinks Justice Clarence Thomas should recuse himself from tomorrow's Supreme Court case on whether former President Donald Trump should appear on primary ballots. Dan's special guest says there's no reason Thomas should step aside. That's tonight on Dan Abrams Live, starting at 9 Eastern. To find News Nation, go to joinnn.com. Historians have been trying for centuries to unwrap lost secrets written in ancient Roman scrolls, and a team of three student researchers finally did just that using artificial intelligence. The ancient Roman scrolls were burnt and charred back in 79 AD during the Mount Vesuvius eruption. Last spring, a group launched the Vesuvius Challenge, tasking scientists with decoding what was written on those scrolls. Three college students from the US, Switzerland, and Egypt accomplished this incredible feat by using an AI program trained to read the ink on both the surface and hidden layers. This represents sort of a huge corpus of uh, historical antiquities that if we could recover um, all of this ancient knowledge, uh, it would almost double the, the amount of um, history that uh, is recovered from ancient antiquities, which is, um, I think it says a lot about um, the size of the challenge and the size of um, the potential of, um, that we can achieve um, by, by solving this. Researchers believe using AI will be a game changer for historians trying to unlock centuries old mysteries. Well, coming up tonight on KXAN, it's Chicago Wednesday. We've got Chicago Med, Fire, and PD before we're back here for KXAN News at 10. Join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin, and here's where to find us over the air or through your television provider.